Stay tuned for the Lin Show. Today, I'm airing an interview with jazz singer Sanaya Carroll. Sanaya, having danced around singing all of her life, beginning very, very young when she and her cousins would make up songs and at three, four, and five perform for their families. Sanaya has toyed with many, many different forms of singing. But as you will hear her say, in the last couple of years, she discovered her voice. And that voice is jazz. And being able to accomplish a dream, she has created her very first CD. And on Saturday, January 26th, at 7 p.m., she will fulfill yet another dream by performing her very first one-woman show called Finding Sassy at Sarah Solo. She will talk about her life and the creation of the CD, and you will hear some cuts from this lovely album. So hang on. Here come the show. Hearing from an inner voice Finding choice Where there's no choice With gentle prodding From the voice Oh, you really can Deeper, deeper down Chasing dreams and 
chasing bets And I have learned that all you give is all you get So give it all you've got I've had my share, I've drunk my fill And even though I'm satisfied I'm hungry still To see what's down another road Beyond the hill And do it all again So here's to life And every joy it brings Here's to life For dreamers and their dreams Funny how the time just flies Love can go from warm hellos to sad goodbyes And leave you with the memories you've memorized To keep your winters warm For there is no yes in yesterday Tomorrow brings or takes away As long as I'm still in the game I wanna play For life, for laughs, for love So here's to is about being the person you really are. It may seem ironic that I say that it is possible to be someone you aren't, but my experience as a psychotherapist suggests that lots of people don't know all there is to know about themselves, are in ignorance or in denial for important aspects of themselves, 
trying to be something that they're not, and at the same time not being able to be all that they are. I interview people who make their living or their life with an art because when you hear them talk, you can hear what it sounds like to be who you really are. And my interviewee today, Sanaya Carroll, um, is a lovely example of someone who, um, well, you'll hear her say that she always knew she could sing. She just didn't think it was that big a deal. She thought lots of people can sing. Maybe everybody could sing. So you'll hear her describe when she was first told by someone who she believed that she was a singer and how she experimented with so many different forms of using her voice. And now, gratefully for her and for us, she has discovered that jazz is her voice. The voice that you heard singing Here's to Life that opened this show is, of course, Sanaya Carroll. And after her interview, I'm going to play another cut from that CD. But now, here is Sanaya Carroll. So I am here with Sanaya Carroll, and mm -hmm. I'm explaining to Sanaya that I interview people who make their living or their life with an art. And I know that the art to which you are giving your life and making some of your living is the art of singing. I only ask one question, and that is, do you remember the very first time that singing, music, performing, any of that, called you, became interesting to you? Oh. I think as a kid, um, wow, this is way back, North Philly, my niece and nephew were younger than me, and we would put on shows on Fridays for the parents. How that old was, were you? Oh, I don't know, five. Yeah. You know. And what kind of shows did you put on? Just, you know, we used to make up little songs and stuff. I used to like to make up little songs. So, do you remember that in these performances that you liked singing, that you liked people watching you, or you don't mm. remember that at all? Oh, I think I, I liked, I did like it, I enjoyed it. Um, I was youngest in my family. I think my position in my family, in my head, was to be the one who entertained, ah. the one who kept tensions at ease, ah. the one who would, you know, distract people from feeling the anxiety they might feel with lots of different life, adult situations that, of course, I didn't necessarily understand. But what I would do was sort of break the tension yes. and be the clown or be the just be the distraction. Right. You know, so. Right. So part of that job was singing, oh, yeah. performing, yeah. right, okay. And it's interesting, you said you guys made up songs, you didn't sing songs off the radio or something like that? Well, we love the Beatles. Oh, I see. Oh, love the Beatles. And I would make up some little songs. You want to hear my first song? Yeah, of course. No, it was really, but it was probably four years old. I still remember it. Punky, punky, pumpkin, happy all the day. Do you know a pumpkin usually says, it's time for Halloween and the people buy the pumpkins and sometimes they use them for a pumpkin pie. When you were four? Yeah, I was really, like, I wasn't in school or anything. That's great. <laughs> That's great. That's amazing. <laughs> so, so you started doing this, well, creating, perform not only singing, but, but making up music, right? Yeah. You know, it's great. That's great. Okay. So, okay, so you started performing very young. I guess so. I guess so. You know, in a house. house yeah. House shows. But doesn't, yeah, well... That's where they start. I mean, at four, it's unlikely you're going to be on a stage somewhere. So that's where, you know, that's where it starts. So, okay, so um, 
after the performances with your niece and nephew, what's the next thing you remember that has to do with you performing or singing? Big thing? Um, I think it was after first grade. It was during the summer. And I went to Catholic school. Mm -hmm. And one of the nuns said, so you're going to be a big girl in second grade next year. And I said, yeah. And they said, then they said, you know, we think we want you to sing in the Christmas show next year. I was like, what? Yeah, we, we want, we'd like you to sing Silent Night. And I was like, you want me to, I was like, what? <laughs> I'm going to get to sing for the whole school? And I was so excited. I remember I ran all the way home and I told my mom, I said, mother, we called her uh -huh. mother. Mother, I'm going to get this in silence. And I, I called it Silent Night. <laughs> silent Night. And I have to start to practice. So I remember, <laughs> I remember, I don't know, maybe in the kitchen or somewhere. And I'm singing, Silent Night. <laughs> holy night. And then my mother, she said, you know, it's really not Silent Night. It's uh -huh. Silent Silent. Really? <laughs> anyway, that's when I learned to say it the right way. Well, how do you know why they chose you to do that? I don't. You know, you. I guess you do really hear those individual voices, or you'll have. Oh, little, you mean you would sing with I was, the? I was in a group of people singing. I, I didn't sing alone. Well, wait a minute. You were in a group in school singing. Yeah, the Glee Club. The Glee Club. Yeah. Oh, I see. So, so they had, did. Of course, they heard you. Yeah, but they didn't hear me alone. They heard me with all the other kids. Well, that's what I'm saying. They heard something. Yeah, you know? so right. Like, wow, how how they know? So and they they kind of they I guess by doing that they they changed the trajectory of my musical life in school because once you get to sing a solo in the show, well, of course you're going to sing in third grade, in fourth grade, in fifth grade. You're you're going to be yeah. You're going to develop that persona of uh, of us of the girl who the, the little kid who can sing. Well, I somewhere. think they changed the trajectory of your life. Not just your life oh, in school, yeah. <laughs> you know. Yeah. I mean, they don't do that. You don't have this idea that you're a singer. Yeah, or that you could actually do it. Or you that know? you could actually do it. Yeah. I mean, it might have happened anyway, but this, this is a very powerful example of the impact that teachers have. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so do you remember singing si Silent Night? Yeah, it was great. I yes, loved it. you did. And then another year I sang, we did Santa Lucia. And they asked me to sing that song, mm -hmm. and I had to do, and I had to learn it in Italian. Sul mare Lucia, rostro giarento, la prospero evento. So you, oh wow. And that must have been maybe fourth grade. Wow. Yeah, that was really cool. You know, I think about it, because I can remember that. I can't remember stuff from yesterday, but I can No, no, you can still, no, that's right. <laughs> no, that's right. Okay, so... Um, so, okay, so you're still in elementary school, right? Yep. Okay, so in a middle school or junior high school or high school? For us, elementary school went through eighth grade. So what happened eventually is that we started having guitar masses. And my sister was really into folk music. We were the North Philly family that was a little bit different. And we listened to all the other, the pop stuff, you know, James Brown or whatever. But we also, my sister had this, like, Joan Baez and... And, and Phil Oaks and Donovan, oh, I love Donovan, and <laughs> Buffy St. Marie, you know? mm -hmm. I mean, all these folk people. And my sister started playing guitar. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, of course, I'm looking at my big sister because I wanted to play guitar. Finally, I, I got a guitar because my, my nephew found the guitar and they were upset that he found this guitar. I think he found it on the street or something. And um, so they gave it to me. Ah. But they didn't know who it belonged to, for real. So they gave it to me. That was his punishment. Anyway. I used a guitar, and then when we started having guitar masses at my at, you know, Catholic church, um, of course, and my sister showed me, when I was 12 years old, I went to a day camp, 
and they they had guitars there. This was in North Philly, and they actually had a whole rack of guitars. And they were showing us how to play these songs. And they would, we would use the first three strings on the guitar with using one finger, maybe two fingers, to make these very rudimentary chords. Mm -hmm. um, I guess abbreviated chords. And so I remember doing, you know, like Michael. <laughs> and so you do that, and it was cool. Mm -hmm. We had, we loved it. And then I came home, I was so excited, and I told my sister, and I had that guitar now, so I was trying it on that thing at home. And she said, well, why don't you try the whole chord? So she showed me how to do a complete C, mm -hmm. and a G, and a D. And then I started looking at these you know, books that had guitar charts in them, real simple stuff. And I, I loved it. Then I could sing with the guitar, which was like, that was it. I yeah. was, you know, and then we had guitar masses, and it was just great. Right, so know? you would play in the guitar masses? Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Mm -hmm. And okay. I used to play at home all the time, and when people would come to the house, oh, God, my mother, get your guitar, bring it down, <laughs> Mr. So-and-so is here. I was like, and at first it was fun, mm -hmm. but then after a while it got to be like, not again, Mom, stop, stop, you know. Well, were you embarrassed, or you I, really didn't feel like it? I was embarrassed. It was starting to feel like they expected me to do it. I was like the performer. And they did expect you to do it. On demand. And, and it was like, I don't, you know, I didn't want to necessarily do it on demand, you know. Yeah. But Well, this is another thing altogether, I think. This is, a, <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a little rebellious thing going on. Oh, here, yeah. Right? And I was getting older, you know, 12, 13, mm -hmm. you know, 14. It's like, mm, you know, but, but still it was great. It was great to play guitar. It was, it definitely set you apart where I lived, mm -hmm. you know, not, and I used to give out guitar lessons to other kids um, in another parish. And for their guitar masses and stuff like that, so that was kind of cool. Yeah, we used to have we used to have fun. We used to sit on the porch in North Philly and would sing some. Would sing, one of our favorite songs was, "If you want it, here's <laughs> come, come and get, get it." it. <laughs> oh my God! I can't. <laughs> anyway, we were pretty wild. It was fun. Okay, so eighth grade, right? Then now you're gonna be in high school. Yep. And so what happens there? was making up songs. I started making up songs in grade school. I kept, you know, with the guitar, though. Um, I remember I got into a contest once. I might have been in eighth grade, maybe ninth grade. I got into this contest, a talent show, and I sang one of my songs that I just loved. Mm -hmm. And I came in second. Wow. I was very upset. Oh, because you wanted to be first? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I know. I can't believe it. But I was like, what? I didn't get to be first? <laughs> Had an attitude. But anyway... Um, yeah, it was, so high school kept playing. They had a thing called the liturgical committee. So we used to, you know, play for that. Then there was another girl there, Joanne D. Simone, still down in Philly. And she played guitar. And she had a good voice, mm -hmm. which was perfect. Because then we started writing a couple of, we wrote a couple of songs together. And we would sing and we just got to be known as like the singing duo mm -hmm. doing our pretty much folk music at that time. And, um, and I, I, we, we played at a folk festival, I think at one of the campuses of um, Penn State, hmm. something she she was very, I got to give her credit, she was always going out there. I mean, she made things happen for herself. She got affiliated with bands by the time she was a senior. She was affiliated with jazz bands in the city and whatever. I mean, I hadn't done anything. I just, I would just, I didn't, you know, I just did my life, but I, and I played when I played, you know. Well, that brings up the question. Um, were you thinking about music as a career or as a life? Hmm. Probably not. I got... Upon graduating from high school, I got a scholarship, a four-year scholarship, full-paid scholarship to St. Joe's, not St. Joe's, um, Chestnut Hill, mm -hmm. in music. Mm -hmm. Yes. Right? An all-girls um, college. 
And I had gone to an all-girls high school, except for this, my senior year, we, our high school closed because they ran out of funds. So we were taken in that last class. We had 44 girls that were taken in by LaSalle College High School. And they had 900 boys and 44 girls. Oh, my gosh. It was kind of a culture shock in, in many ways. Oh, and most my of God. Them, and there were maybe, out of that 900 number, we might have had 25, maybe, black students. Oi. Yeah, and out of the out, the girls, now my, my little high school, even though it was a girls' school, we had, it was kind of interesting. We had quite, we probably had a 30, 35% of, of, of the students were African-American, which is pretty surprising. Yeah, yeah. But it was really inexpensive, and we had to pay to go there, but mm -hmm. it really wasn't that much. It was just a neat, I love, that was Angela Domini. It's gone. The, the plate is gone, but it, it burned down everything new eventually, but... It was a wonderful, wonderful school experience for those four years. Well, three years. Well, three and three yeah. and three quarters. Yeah, really. So, so that last uh, part of your high school must have been very difficult. It was fascinating. Oh, really? I got to see that. That I didn't know that boys studied poetry. Oh. I just assumed I had all these assumptions that I didn't even know I had, yeah. which is really interesting. When you only grow, when you're yeah, only around right. a group of people, that's right. You don't even know what assumptions you're making about other groups. You don't, and you don't even know that you're learning by what you hear or what you feel or what, other, what somebody might say in passing or what you see on TV. You don't even know that, that, that you have absorbed it so thoroughly. Um, and so when I found that, oh, boys wrote poetry and it was beautiful mm -hmm. and that they, were, they could be just as sensitive about certain things as some, as some of the girls were and sometimes more so, I was I was shocked. Yeah, I, one of my fun memories though is being, <laughs> I was in a math class. I really I hated math, <laughs> and I wasn't good at it. And nobody was able to, seem to really teach me in a way that I got it. But I started taking math um, algebra two as a senior, and there I am in this classroom, and they were it was all boys, and you and all white, and then there's me, and I mean these kids. And they weren't, and not a lot of them weren't seniors because, you know, most seniors didn't take algebra too. They had already done that. So they had, talk about spitballs. I had never seen spitballs oh with the straw. God. Oh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Spitballs with the straw. It was hysterical. Eating sunflower seeds with the shell. Um, <laughs> I, I was like, where am I? <laughs> and, and I didn't, I had a rough time. I mean, I remember I used to sit in class and I pretended the teacher was speaking Arabic because that's what it felt like. It's like, what is he saying? Oh my I don't God. understand anything. What did he say? <laughs> oh and I'd go to get extra help and it would happen again. It's like, I had to shake my head. What did you just say? Could you repeat it again and again? <laughs> oh, my God. I got through it. Well, not only you got through it, you got this uh, scholarship to the school. So, Well, I didn't go there. Yeah, I did. I did. Well, you didn't go there. I yeah. clear, Clearly. But Why I, didn't you go there? Because it was all girls. I was done. Oh, I, I see. I didn't want to go back to all girls. The one thing that was really great about LaSalle College High School for me is that because I was the singing student, <laughs> whatever, mm -hmm. Um, they wanted a jazz singer for their jazz band, and they asked me to do it. And so I got to sing with a big band, a high school big band, mm -hmm. but I got to sing, you know, like that's where I learned um, God Bless the Child. I, wouldn't, I would never have learned that. Right. My mother didn't even like Billie Holiday. <laughs> <laughs> but, I, yeah, so I, you know, I learned a variety, of, not a whole lot, but maybe about five songs, mm -hmm. and I got to sing them and perform with this band. So that was really a good thing. Okay, but still, you're not thinking about music as uh, a career. Not really. Are Except, you thinking about a career? I thought about theater. 
Oh, That's what I thought we would. Um, I was with the Catholic Youth Organization, and because of that, we would go out. They had I don't know. They had all these trips up to New York. We went to musicals a lot. Wow, it was wonderful. I saw quite a number of musicals, and um, up in New York, it was great. And there would be bus trips. And that, that's what got me. So I, that was my goal. My goal was to become good into theater. That's what I really wanted. I wanted to be in musicals. So did you major in theater? I started, I, I ended up going to Wesleyan and I ended up thinking my whole, um, the, comp, the, the essay you write had to do with theater. Mm -hmm. So I get to Wesleyan and I start, you know, start looking at the plays and auditioning. And it's really hard. I mean, you know. Well, so you have no training. I have no training, and I think the thing that hit me about the disadvantage, in some ways, depends on what your, what kind of what kind of person you are, and just how assertive and confident you are. Mm -hmm. I probably wasn't that confident, um, so I think I, I left North Philly, which was a rundown, somewhat troubled neighborhood where I was, but it wasn't horrible at all because I had a lot of good people there, but. It was still, a, mm -hmm. a, you know, working class or lower working class. So then I go to Wesleyan and there's all these people. Yeah. And even the people who were of color didn't come from North Philly. No. You know, they came from other places and they had other experiences. So so I think I really wasn't, I think I was very uh, a little intimidated. Bit intimidated. And when I saw, you know, the kids trying out and they just seemed not under get to, to have this confidence, it seemed to highlight my own lack of confidence. And I just decided... I did a little bit, but not much. Um, I did take theater classes. I took one of my favorite classes was vocal music for the theater, which was was my one of my favorite professors, um, um, Stefan Esteban Vega, who's no longer with us, and also Fritz Du Bois, who also is no longer with us. But these guys really did change my life, and um, and they both got to see me become more of who I am now, you know, mm -hmm. which is kind of cool. But um, I um I, I loved I mean I did a cabaret I worked in cabarets because it was you know a smaller group thing and I felt I could do my own thing and that's I could learn about myself in that Are way. Are you talking about in school or in, in college? Mm -hmm. You know with, with with the college courses I took that that were theater based. So I took some I definitely took some theater. I didn't really pursue it the way I thought I would. I was a little surprised. I did get into concert choir and and Wesleyan singers and I did sing and I got to do my first. You call it an aria, like in like in the Messiah, and different you know different some German pieces. I got to do with the choirs, which was really great, amazing. I loved it, mm -hmm. um, and I'd never done that kind of music before in right. such a grandiose. It was just beautiful, and I I just loved it. Um, and then after college was over, um, well, so you graduated with what a BA in in education in Spanish. <laughs> I see. How did, so how did that happen? Or I, I was trying to figure out what I was going to be, and I kept trying things out. So I tried theater, I tried anthropology, I tried psychology, I, tried, I just yeah. kept trying things, and it was like the process of elimination. Right, right, right. This doesn't work, this doesn't work, you exactly. can't do this, yeah, whatever, yeah. right. And for all kinds of reasons. And then I think it was after I came back from Spain, I spent a semester abroad, and I came back, and I took this education class, I think it was a, it was a junior, and I fell in love. Wow. It was like... I'd done a lot of work with kids, like even as a um, elementary, like a, a, 12, a 13 year old. I was the musical director, they called me that, for the little camp that they had at my parochial school as mm -hmm. a kid. 
So I used to lead the kids in song with the guitar, and I was like the Pied Piper. Right, and right, and right, I didn't right, even, right. you know, it was amazing. I think about that. If I knew a kid now who did that, I'd be like, wow. Yeah, right, and, right, you know, right, right. But I was that kid. So I, I always like working with the kids. So he, when I took these education classes, I think it was Daryl Laycock and this other guy up at Wesleyan. Oh, my God. I said, this is it. This is, this is where I can bring it all together. I can I can bring in the music. I can bring in the theater. I can bring in all the things to make these make whatever I'm teaching or make my classroom come to life. So I decided to major in education, and I loved my classes. I was totally inspired, and um, you know, after college, I did teach for a whole year. I taught and taught at um, Newark Academy in Livingston, New Jersey, and that was. I was the black teacher in the school, which oh, was. You're kidding? No, it's, you know, this is kind of like. You get you have to get used to just dealing with it. If you're going to leave, once you leave the neighborhood, and you're doing anything, doing a lot of things, you might find yourself being the only, the only one. one. So you have to really find that sense of peace in yourself. You really do have to become self-possessed. Yes, I learned that. But Wesleyan was good. It taught me to really understand how rich I was, even if I didn't have money. That that my my um, the environment I grew up in and what I had, the wisdom I had got, you know, gleaned from that experience was very very useful. And, and and it was a treasure yes. inside of me, even though I didn't come from a middle-class background. Right, I right. brought my own thing, which was just as valuable. And that's what I learned um, at Wesleyan, because otherwise I think I would have fallen on my face. Mm -hmm. But I think about the people who don't have that. I was just thinking that. the same thing. So, it's really, so I was lucky. So I understand, you know, I always try to be aware that not everybody has that kind of a, they can think about it in their head and keep balancing it out because you do get messed up, but you have to keep rebalancing. You know, re, what's what recalibrating. Yeah, get well, the <laughs> the environment keeps pushing you. Mm -hmm. Right, huh. right. So because the, the environment is not going to make that easy. No, no. And people don't, and you just have to just recalibrate. Yeah, like a lot of. Well, time. I mean, this is a lot of um, uh, credit to your family yeah. and to the places that you to your school to your church all those things that gave you mm. that thing you have yeah my mom she was instrumental she really um she 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 laid it on a line to me i know this is a little bit off the music thing but when i was a kid i was very ashamed of where it came from you know i when she took rides around the city we didn't even have a car most of my life we never had a car um but at some point in my teenage years my, my father got a car but we would take these rides and that's when I saw all these other parts of the city and it was, I just loved them. I thought they were so pretty and I was fascinated and I thought where I lived was horrible. Right. And I wrote a composition called The Long Ride Home, which basically um, wrote about, well, I was speaking of being in these other areas of the city and, you know, seeing the houses where they didn't shut their blinds every night because you don't want the neighbors to see anything. I mean, just a whole other kind of environment and how fascinated I was with that and the people who lived there and as we came closer and closer to my neighborhood everything the houses got more they were closer together and it became row homes leaning in on each other and some crumbling some not you know the black tarred streets and the, the trees the, well there were trees but you know these seem to be such sad trees because <laughs> you know didn't have the space to just grow out like other places did and and so I wrote this whole composition and it was Kind of depressing. <laughs> well, my mother was um, very, very one of the smartest people I ever knew, aside from my sister. And um, she would read my work a lot, and she would write in my journals. Just lady, she wrote, you know, she'd she'd always write on the back page of my journals, which you know. But it was kind of nice that she did that, even though it was a pain. So she wrote a whole addendum to this, <laughs> and she added, um, 
even though, yet even though, you know, there are so many people, there are people here who don't care about the neighborhood. There are those who really do and they work hard. And she wrote this whole thing and basically saying that, yeah, we have the folks who don't care. Yeah, it's not pretty, but you have hardworking, God-fearing, family-loving people right here. You have these neighbors who care about you and about themselves and about each other. And they work hard to keep that going. And don't forget that. No, and appreciate it. Yeah. And mm -hmm. you know what? I got it. Yeah, I see. I see. I got it. And I said, ah, oh, I, yeah, I can't cut off my own feet. No, and because, of course, that's exactly what it means, is that it's yourself that you're, yeah. Yeah, that you're judging. Exactly. Right. So that, that's the, but that's the gift that carries me now. That's right. You know, that was one of the best things, without me knowing it, that's one of the best things she ever gave me, because that, carry, that carries me even now. So, okay, so you said you taught for one year? Taught for one year at a private school in New mm -hmm. Jersey, and it was, it was fascinating. I was, if I'd ever, these were the kids who had maids. These were the kids who might <laughs> have their own Lamborghini, or whose dad certainly did. Right. You know, um, if I was, te I was teaching Spanish, and so these kids, they had Spanish maids. It's, they just, it was a whole other. Yet um, again. Yeah, and it was like it made it was it was like Wesleyan on crack. To yeah, me. <laughs> right, right, like, right, right. Whoa! And there I was, very young. You know, they were like seventeen, sixteen, seventeen. I was twenty-two. Yeah, right. And I was insecure. So yeah. I used sarcasm. That was my. But it was it's a terrible thing yeah. to do. You well, know, teachers who are sarcastic to kids, it's bad. Right. But I would do that sometimes because I was terrified. Yeah, because you didn't have other skills. I didn't know what else to do. Right, right. You know, and I I did. But it was great experience in many ways. I learned a lot. I really learned about being assertive. Mm -hmm. The parents were very assertive. And um, I, I learned about taking care of myself. In other words, if you're going into a meeting and somebody's going to be evaluating you, well, you can evaluate them as well. Mm -hmm. You know, you don't go in just waiting to be, a, you know, be slaughtered or, or anything. You, know? yeah. you also speak your mind and let them know where you're coming from as well. So, um, and you can do it eloquently. So that's what I learned. It was, but it was good. I mean, there were a lot of. I didn't do. Did I do a lot of music? Not like I, not like I did in other places. I mean, I did some, but it was just a different environment. We did have. We did play guitars. I mean, we did have some fun times. Yeah, with the t other teachers and stuff. We so have, what happened after that? After that, I moved to New York. Aha! Oh yeah. my God! I moved to New York, and then I started my my first. I call it my first adult out of college relationship was with a guy who was a musician. But um, he was with Arista Records. He was an up-and-coming artist. I met him, and we were, he was playing some music, and I think I sang along or something. So he is the one who said to me, you know, you're a singer. Mm -hmm. And I said, what? Because I had never called myself a singer. Yeah. I could sing, right. but I've been singing for, I mean, I've been singing since second grade. I mean, no big deal with that. Everybody, a lot of people sing. So we got together. But it was an amazing time because since he was so immersed in his career, I really got to see a bit of the of the jazz musician's career, you know, mm -hmm. what that world is like. And I, I met a lot of people, went to a lot of jazz clubs, heard a lot of music, was not a jazz, had no interest in being a jazz singer at all. I started doing, I started getting involved in music. Mm -hmm. I started, I got involved with a couple of bands and it was definitely, um, you know, pop, R&B kind of stuff. You know, so I met a lot of singers. And the singer, people, the women who I met, they, they were, go get it. This mm -hmm. is New York, you don't play, you gotta go. That wasn't who I was. I just wasn't comfortable enough to do it. And so I found that I would shy away from those situations. And then I also encountered a thing where an older white guy, he lived Central Park West, and he had a studio of sorts right there in his living room. You know, I was just the latest girl who was brought up to do some music. And um, 
So I sang, and he said, no, 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 you got to sing it. Sing it. Can you put more soul in it? And he doesn't understand. I was, I've been playing guitar. You've been doing folk singing. stuff, right. Was, yeah, I was like, well. And, and, you know, a little pop stuff, but it was definitely not anything hard. It wasn't even blues, because right. I didn't know anything about the blues, and I was scared of the blues anyway. So um, I'm like, wow. So he said, sing like you're in church, which made me look. I said, well. My Catholic church, because that's the church I know. Mm -hmm. You sure you want me to sing like that? <laughs> you know? And it became, you know, what you started to realize, of course, is that because you're African-American, you're supposed to do it this way. Right. Because that's just how you guys do it. That's so, right. Not, maybe, yeah. Up to a point, yeah. I can see what you're saying, but not necessarily. So, and at that point, I really didn't have um, the, the exposure or understanding of that music to really to do anything I just didn't know it that well, you know, I hadn't, and not to say it wasn't there, because I mean, I'd listen, but I hadn't tried to emulate it. Really. No, and none of the stuff you had been singing and performing was like that. No, I wasn't doing um, any James Brown tunes or anything like that. A lot of things began happening in New York. A friend of mine from college with a band called Mikata, Mikata did world beat music which really was West African music and soca music and Latin music, all original music. And they were looking for another singer. Mm -hmm. So I ended up doing that for nine years with that group. And, wow. And we used to perform at Sounds of Brazil in New York, which is still there every month. We went to Japan. When, when the Miami Sound Machine came out with their song, we were, it was upsetting because it was so like our music. Mm -hmm. And it really felt like the right time, the right place, do you know the right person. That's right. And that's really what it comes down to. So that wasn't what we We weren't that group. But I think we were all as good, every bit as good as, as anything they ever did. Really, that was a big education for me, and it was a lot of fun. But the other thing I did on the side, I started getting involved with um, getting calls to do backgrounds with some... Soka people got to go to Cartagena, Colombia mm -hmm. to sing. I was the background singer for these guys. <laughs> it's like, wow. And they played for a stadium, which is the biggest audience I've ever seen ever in my life. And um, I was like, wow. And I was the background. In my 20s, I got involved in storytelling. I learned African stories and Haitian stories and, you know, American stories. And, so, and I found that in the stories I could bring music and I could do movement any kind of movement I wanted, and I could do chants, and I could do audience involvement to, to whatever degree I felt the story would demand. And so I developed my way of telling a story, and it was really good. My ex-husband, we did it together. He played percussion, and I did the stories. We once went to Carl Robinson Prison, and it was a big room, and, and all the guys there were brown, tan, and with a few pink sprinkled stuff to make up the chance to go with the stories. That's fun. So I had this one chant that was going, shake, shake. Drumming would be going, ding, 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 ding. And to that I go, shake, shake, shake it down. Ding, 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 shake, shake, shake it down. You know, well, the guys, they took it. They started going, shake, shake, shake it down. Shake, shake, shake it down. I went right with them. It was amazing. They took the story, they took ownership, and we did a few stories, or I did a few, and then at the end of it, they did the most amazing thing that I'll never forget for the rest of my life. When they gave me a standing O, I couldn't believe it. These inmates from Carl Robinson, they stood up. I was like, the... It's just two people telling, and I'm just telling stories, mm -hmm. but the stories... That captured them, right, had meaning for them. And, and so that was what, what I found in the storytelling world was that 
people seemed a little bit more authentic and sincere, less cutthroat. Um, and I could find my way in that world a lot more easily than in the music world. And so I really said, okay, I, I'm going to do storytelling because the music is great and I love it, but if there's so much game playing, you got to really, you got, you know, you just have to be a certain kind of person to really work it, to really work it. Mm -hmm. And I don't, I don't feel like I have the skills or the aptitude. So, but the storytelling is a different place. I can do it and I can do my music here. So that worked really well. Um, and it stayed that way for a long time. Um, and it's only been since I've been here, been here two years, but I've really been singing for a year and a half, right? It's only since then I've been learning and succeeding bit by bit with bringing the story to the song. Mm -hmm. Because, and that's, I think that's why jazz works so well for me, because I love stories. I always have. I love music. I love touching. I love that interplay that movement, that energy, that give and take that happens between when you're on, on any kind of a stage and when you're talking to people. But it's not just you the, and, and the people. It's also the spiritual, I don't know, like an earth connection that is cyclical. Just goes, it comes up through you to them, through them, back down, through you, and it goes like that. Mm -hmm. And it's just well, when it's working, it is one, I mean, you really travel together. And, and, if, and I think... The context of the story, whether it's just in the words and the images that they evoke or the words and the, and the melodies and the images and feelings, because melodies give you feelings as well, um, that, that, that happened there. When that happens, that's, what do you, there's nothing to be said about it. I mean, I don't even know how, how I don't have a word for that. It's just, it just it's magic. It, magic. Mm -hmm. And... So as I learn more and more, or maybe what it comes down to is I, as I learn to surrender, mm -hmm. you know, my sense of needing to be in control or, and just let the story of that music come through, that is, mm -hmm. so that's what I'm loving. I was always afraid of that. And, and I think even with the singing for me now, I always used to feel like, well, you really, I mean, I never felt like I was a great singer. Um, I felt like I could sing, but... I would look at all the, those shows. These kids are singing circles around me. Are you kidding? A lot of people could sing circles around me. Um, but it's not so much that now I get. Um, it's, it's that it's, it's, way, it's, it's a lot more than, than people, anybody singing a certain way. It's just finding your voice, you know, your voice is not, and, and being true to that, and being true to what you're talking about, um, what the song is trying to communicate, what you're communicating as you interpret it, um, and also somewhat responding to what people are giving you back, mm -hmm. whether it's they're a blank face, the saying, mm -hmm. what's she talking about, or whether they're, into, or whether they're whether they're talking and eating their food. Yeah, right. Sometimes <laughs> it's as simple as like, okay, you know, but that's going to happen as well, as, as well as somebody who's giving you rapt attention. So I, I, I'm, I feel like it's exciting because I feel like um, it's been through jazz. Oh, and I was going to say, I used to feel like when I was singing that there was, I was in this room, but if I could, and if I opened this little door and looked into this other room, magic, music magic was there. Like that the person who wasn't thinking about the note or wasn't, you know, scared to really sing or just let it go and not and stop thinking. Mm -hmm. You know, the intellect would just sort of take a break. 
and um and just go into feeling and heart and soul and it was in that door and I would sometimes in my life maybe open the door and put my little finger or put my toe <laughs> in there and I'd just be so afraid and I just shut it and stop uh. and go back into singing into my controlled way and it's only been through jazz where that door has just opened the door here I am <laughs> and I've been swallowed up mm-hmm. I mean it's been like what what who when did that start and I didn't even know it's like, that's why I said something happens with me in this music. It's not even, I never planned it. I didn't know it existed. But the things that I do sing when they're, when I'm, I don't even know. I'm shocked. <laughs> it's like, wow. That's, wow. I, I'm, you know, so I'm sort of, a little, I'm still a little bit in awe. And I'm really, really grateful. Because I felt, I feel like I, you know, easily could have gone throughout my entire life not really having found my voice. Yes. And I know how easy that is. So I, I got to find my voice. <laughs> okay, so now talk about the CD so other people can find your voice. CD's a complete dream come true. It was one of our goals for the year. I can't, I, I'm in awe and so grateful that people helped out, you know, mm-hmm. that anybody would care enough to help out. It's like, are you kidding me? So with the CD, it's just, it's, it's imperfect, but... I think I, I tried to be ambitious and try to do things I wouldn't usually do. I tried to make it a little off the beaten path and and to explore, use it as a way of exploring some other other directions I see for my future, you know, mm-hmm. and just putting those feelers out there. How how do I like it? How do I like it now? How do you like me now? You know? <laughs> yeah, I think I like you more now. You know? <laughs> and the name of the CD is? Here's to you and having Billy Marcus woo, and yeah. that's a whole story right there we won't get to that one yeah. but Billy has been instrumental to me my goodness I mean this things that I just met him at a jam and then you know we cultivated a musical partnership as well as friendship has been wonderful um and then there's Don Mopsick on bass and mm-hmm. he's been he's like the surge mm-hmm. <laughs> he's like a wealth of knowledge he knows so much and then there's uh, Steve Buckholtz on drums yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. 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 And can they get the CD on CD Baby? Yeah, CD Baby, um, Amazon. All they take, they they do it on most of any site where you can buy CDs. It should be there. Okay. So, I I ask one one more question, and and it is, you have spent your life, really, dancing around singing. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's been there in one way or another, everywhere. Yeah, right? absolutely. Right, and you've, as you said, really articulately, you have discovered uh, a way to do it, and um, and and as you said, your voice. Um, could you just think for a second about what that means to you, or how you feel about it? I am ecstatic about it um i i'm sometimes i'm almost i'm in awe of the whole thing it's like i found my voice i'm going to follow it 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 is it comes first mm-hmm. teaching doesn't come first when it comes to what i want to do yeah i'm going to do music and i want to move as many people i want to build bridges i want to educate i want to um inspire motivate um comfort 
whatever music does all of those things and that's what I want to do and I want to let that come through me and so and I want to learn as much as I possibly can learn I mean I feel like and I, and I guess maybe because I'm a bit a little bit older than I would have been if I had done it in my 20s so I have that I have a, a lot of enthusiasm a lot of energy and some serious motivation this is it mm-hmm. you know this is that chapter and I'm just happy to have this chapter, and I'm just going, I'm not going to waste it. I'm not going to take it for granted. I'm just going to use it and have fun and, and just um, enjoy all the people who are involved. You know, just just love it all. It's a great place to stop. Thank you so much, Sanaya. Thank you. I'm ecstatic. I found my voice, and I intend to use it. I'm going to enjoy it. I'm going to give it away. It is what I am and I'm going to embrace it. This is what it sounds like when you have discovered who you really are. And Sanaya's story is so interesting because she knew from the beginning that she could sing. She knew many times in her life how much fun it was to sing. And she was unable to discover the way to express this thing that was so definitely her. And here it is. She's discovered it. She's embraced it. And, so, and she's experiencing what it is that I am hoping that every one of you will experience. And that is that when you are living the life you were meant to live, when you are being yourself, when you are speaking your voice, when you are expressing what it is in you to express, then what you have is joy. And of course, as I have said over and over, it is my hope that when you listen to Sanaya and people like Sanaya, that you say to yourself, is this how I feel about my life? Is this how I feel about what I'm doing with my life? That this is what I was meant to do? That it enthuses me? <laughs> that, it, that, that it fills me with joy and energy? That I only want to give it away because it's so glorious? Well, if that's how you feel about your life, I'm so happy for you. If that's not how you feel about your life, Please know that I think it, it may not be too late to recover some of what you may have had to lose, surrender, be unable to recognize, to have the experience that Sanaya has had, which is, it's not too late. So if you want to talk about that, um, you can reach me at my website, thelynnshow.com, T-H-E-L-Y-N-N-E, don't leave the E out of Lynn thelinshow.com. There's a button you can push to email me, ask me any questions you like. I'll be happy to hear from you. So we're going to go out on another song from Sanaya's CD. Here is My Baby Just Cares For Me. My baby don't care for clothes My baby don't care for shows My baby just cares My baby don't care 